Hi, welcome to DevCast. Today, we're going to have a really interesting conversation on collaboration between the private sector and government. My name is John Janik. I'll be your host for today's conversation. I'm the chief technologist here at Dev Technology Group. We're joined by a great group of panelists. And I, I even hesitate to call them panelists because they're just so engaging and so active in the community. They're really friends and, and teammates and, and community members. I want to take a few moments to introduce them, and then we'll get right to the conversation. Start with Jeremy Wood. Jeremy, do you want to introduce yourself? And, and then we'll pass it to Jeremiah Akinbowen, and then we'll finish with uh, Casey Acosta. How about that? Yeah, my name is Jeremy Wood. I am a federal employee, work currently at the Millennium Challenge Corporation, and I've been in federal service for, gosh, a long time now, 16 years. Before that, I was in private sector, and before that, the military. So love working in a public sector and look forward to this conversation. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you for your service, both in the military and as a federal employee. It means a lot to folks like me who are former feds to to know that there are great people like you that are continuing to advance the mission. Jeremiah, a real quick introduction. Sure. Yeah. My name is Jeremiah Agenbowen, technical specialist here with Dev Technology Group. Still early in my career. been doing this for uh, about two years now, uh, and I'm just happy to be here today. Fantastic. And then Casey. Hi, I'm Casey Acosta. I'm a business analyst here at Dev Technology. I've been here about two years as well. I joined up right out of, outside of college, so safe to say I am also early in my career. Great. We've got a mix of, of folks in this discussion today. Jeremy, you've been around for a while. Jeremiah and Casey are both newer in your careers. And this is a really interesting conversation because today's focus is going to be on collaboration and bringing everybody together to talk about those things that, that matter and make a tremendous difference in how we work for the government and how we bring the government together. So I thought it would be a good opportunity to really talk about what does that mean? When we talk about collaboration, right? how do we think about it? How do we bring it together in a meaningful way? And one of the ways to start that conversation is to really look at some of the leaders in this space. There's an organization called ACT-IAC, and they run a lot of different programs that bring private sector and government folks together to have some of these conversations. And, and Jeremy, you've offered to kind of walk us through what is ACT-IAC, right? How does it bring people together? And then maybe talk a little bit about those programs specifically, because I understand that all three of you completed some version of those programs this year, right? Yeah. So, I mean, ACT-IAC has been around surprisingly since the 70s. Not many people know that that it's been around that long. And it was kind of a GSA helped get it off its feet and get it started. specifically. It's designed around this, what you're talking about, collaboration between government and industry and trying to solve you know, problems that government has. And so they do that in a variety of ways. They have conferences and forums. They have what they call the communities of interest, which I've participated in. I was the emerging technology community of interest gov chair for five years. And you, know, you dive in and they have communities of interest around all kinds of things, the workforce, around cyber, around pretty much anything you, you could think of, acquisitions. And so that's one of the biggest places where those interactions happen because you're coming together in these work and you, you go into working groups and you're building white papers and monthly events where you're bringing in government and industry to talk about things from each of their perspectives, which is, I think it's amazing. I love it. And you know, they have networking events and it's all about bringing government and industry together. And I think to your point, the programs that they have also do the same thing. So they have uh, leadership development programs, three levels. They have the associates program, which is for those who are you know early in their career. Uh, they have the Voyager program for kind of the mid range of your career, and then the partners program, 
uh, which is for you know later in career or ready to become an executive. And all three programs really reinforce this by having both government and industry interact in these programs and get together and solve problems and have really great conversations. And so I'm very excited about the organization could speak about it all day. That's awesome. Jeremy, within those different constructs, the working groups tend to be very focused on specific activities, right? So you mentioned kind of like AI and emerging tech and cybersecurity. You know, I just recently, a good friend of mine pulled me into the supply chain risk management working group, right? We're going to be working on some of that stuff. Those are very discipline-based. And so, you know, if you have a, a lane, right, you should definitely be working with colleagues in ACT-IACT. Uh, if you're a private sector member, join, right? Join the organization. If you're a government member, uh, membership's free. Is that right? It is. And it, it's surprising how many people haven't heard of it. And so I, I've been kind of on an education rant across all the government agencies I worked in to let people know, hey, this, this is an organization we can go and get our problem solved. That's the government's role. Come here and talk about what's going on from our perspective. Where are we really challenged? And it's it's a safe space to have industry propose some you know, solutions to those problems outside of procurements, right? When you're in a procurement, there's all these rules that apply, but this is more of a casual conversation. That's great. Those kinds of things. And there's a lot of different formats, right? It's not only the working groups. There's also what these uh, FIEs, I can't remember what that acronym stands for. And then there's some other ways to engage. Like you said, the big conference is ELC. Would you mind taking a few moments to talk about ELC and, and what an amazing experience that tends to be? Yeah, so they do a big yearly conference. You get to go in person and they'll have really great speakers from across government come in and talk about some of the larger initiatives or challenges that we're in the middle of. They have industry speakers talk to solutions on those things. They have panels. Panels are fantastic because you got to get a view from a, a large quantity of people from different angles. But to your point of this, you know, government industry collaboration, the real value of, of that conference is the, the side conversations, right? Meeting people who are in the same space you are or trying to solve problems in the space that you're working in and building that network that you can draw on when you have that tough challenge and, and you're trying to figure out, you know, what do I do? I don't even know how to formulate my procurement because I don't even know how to solve the problem. But this is a safe opportunity to have those kind of conversations. Uh, and the conference is, you know, you get away from your office, you're in this place, you're you're interacting, you're going to lunch, you're going to dinner, and you're meeting people, and you're having just these really great, you know, ground, important conversations that tackle topics that you don't feel like you can talk about in any other venue. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that gets missed a lot is that importance of getting out of your safe space and going somewhere else. I know when I worked in the government, I, I led a team of folks, we went outside of the building we were in, we went to an entirely different place and it completely changed the conversation. We had some amazingly innovative ideas come up, some really engaging conversations and some very thoughtful and persistent work put towards it. I think opportunities like ELC, even the working groups, uh, when, you know, hopefully one day we're going to get back more and more in person, even the ability to go and meet people in those face-to-face -face engagements creates opportunities for collisionable spaces where you can have just ideas pop up. There's a great blog out there called Serendipity Engines that I love because it just it just really gets to the point of innovation happens when you get amazing conversations around topics that are important with people that you didn't know were there. 
right? So, so there's a lot of interesting things that kind of go on in that space. So on that topic of people, right, let's pivot to the leadership programs. And, and Jeremy, you kind of outlined these three leadership programs. But Casey, I, I was wondering if you could kick us off with talk a little bit about what program did you participate in this year? And, you know, a little bit about what you did. Like, how was that experience? Yeah, sure. Um, so Jeremiah and I participated in the associates class this year, which is that, you know, lower level, new to your career uh, leadership training. And it was about a year long. And it started off where every few weeks we would meet for a couple hours as a group for some kind of learning seminar, often with guest speakers teaching us something. So, you know, we had a public speaking class, we had negotiation class, different topics just to kind of help you learn how to be a leader in this industry. And it was also nice because you really did get to meet the other people in your class. It was all virtual, so we didn't get to meet in person, but some really, really cool lessons that we all got to learn together. And then as the year progressed, they got, you know, a lot more interactive, a lot more hard hitting. We had one, I think this was probably my favorite lesson where we just went into breakout rooms with different leaders in the industry for, I don't know, 10 minutes a room. And you're in a breakout room with maybe five total people and you get to ask whatever you want. You know, how did you become this leader? What would you do in this situation? Um, people were asking very personal questions. You know, I'm in this situation at work and I don't know what to do here. Um, how can you help me? So, you know, we learned so much about collaborating with industry and government, but we also got a very personalized help as to really how to start off our careers and keep them growing. And we also did a group project with these COIs. So personally, I was working with the customer experience COI, a group of me and about four other people. And we got to meet with the leaders of the customer experience COI, see kind of what their pain points were and how we could help. We ended up doing a project to update their white paper or update their uh, playbook, just about the best ways for different government agencies to really focus on their customer experience. Um, and I got to learn a lot about, you know, recent legislation that has been passed there that I really didn't even know existed and find the real places that customer experience is lacking in the government and talk about different ways to make that better. So really overall, it was a super inclusive program. It gave me a network that I did not have. And I feel like I learned a lot. That's exciting. You know, Casey, that was really interesting as you were walking me through that description, because not only was it an opportunity for you to kind of build trust and as we all know, like psychological safety and, and having that trusted interaction with other colleagues is absolutely critical to performance in these environments. We need it. We absolutely have to have it. In addition to that, you were also talking a lot about things that were like relevant today. And that was really interesting to me. You talked about the customer experience, COI. That just like that executive order just came out last year. Was it last week or the week before? But it just came out really recently. And it's going to move the needle considerably in a lot of different ways. So I think there's that, that was just really interesting experience. I'm going to pivot now to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, what was your project like? How did you kind of walk through that experience and tell us a little bit about how you saw it? Sure. Thanks, John. So I work with the emerging technology community of interest, the one that Jeremy was heading up previously. My team got to organize a panel with experts in the quantum computing space. So that was really informative in showing what the current pain points are, where the research is going, getting to see the collaboration between government and industry, both pushing on the edge uh, of that technology. I got to, to meet 
Jen Savato, a leader in, in the industry, as well as uh, Dr. Travis Humble and Gabe Chang. And they all gave great points and had great discussions about the quantum computing space and really uh, changed my outlook you know, on what's near term and, and what we're facing in the long term. Thanks for sharing that. Jen is really just an amazing leader in that space. I think when you're looking at what is happening in quantum and how does it relate to government in particular, she's definitely one of the people you have to follow because she has such a good understanding of those two things and, and how they align. And for sure, even this cybersecurity executive order that just came out focuses on making sure that cryptography and national security is starting to think about the applications of quantum in these spaces and what it means. Quantum is going to change a lot of how we view computing and a lot of things that we take for granted right now are going to transform in the next 10, 15, 20 years. And although, you know, there's a lot of folks that say, oh, this is going to be the next fusion. It's always going to be 20 years off. I don't actually think that's the case. There's been a lot of very significant advances in the last five years that, that are going to push the envelope along quite rapidly. So it's very interesting from that perspective, too, that you do have these thought leaders. And if you hadn't been leading that conversation alongside the emerging tech COI, the government would have been very dependent on one-to-one -one interactions, talking with companies specifically. And the other thing that's really interesting is that these working groups and COIs bring people together to talk about the topics. And so, Jeremy, maybe you can share a little bit about, now, did you do a program this year as well? And if you did, you know, maybe you can also talk about your experiences, but also a little bit broader about the importance of having different agencies and different companies all at the same table. Hmm. I completed my program in 2018. I did the partners program, which I'll, I'll briefly just to describe it. It's partners because you get partnered with somebody from industry and who's become a good friend with mine. Serge is my partner and he currently works at IBM and we meet about once a month and have lunch and talk about challenges we're, we're dealing with. And then in, within that, you also get uh, paired up with another set of partners to do a project. But overall, I think all three of the programs you know, are very similar in that they have monthly focus areas. They have a project for you to do and they drive towards topics that are relevant based on the stages of career you're in. And then this year, I was very fortunate. Uh, and this is how I met Jeremiah and Casey. I was the Gov chairman for their particular associates program this year. So or last year, I guess, lots of fun. So to your, to your point about the agency and industry coming together, I think that's the key thing that I've loved about ACT-IAC. When, when I got involved, I first got involved on a mobile application working group way back when the government first had a mandate for agencies to put out mobile applications. Um, and because they're trying to really drive, you know, customer experience has always been a thing. It's not new. And so way back then, they were trying to figure out how do agencies get on this new wave of interaction with the public. And so I, I volunteered and got involved with ACT-IAC at a working group level to produce white papers on, you know, evaluations of who has tried this already in government, who does this in an industry. Let's come together and put together kind of a checklist of things to be mindful of, lessons learned, and I think that's the real power is the materials that the teams who participate, no matter where you are in ACT-IAC, whether it's you know cyber or workforce or acquisitions, that the products they're producing are, are directly related to ongoing either mandates or new law or executive orders or focus areas or just groundswell challenges that agencies are having. 
And by having these open conversations, you know, when you're building a white paper, it's a lot of conversations. It's weekly meetings. It's deciding who's going to take what part. And in ActiAC, it's very focused on balancing industry and government participation in all aspects of these work products so that you kind of get that tempered view um, that includes, you know, the, uh, I guess, the stodginess that can be government if we're not ready for something, but also that forward thinking that industry has because they, you know, have access to greater expertise or have commercial experience that government hasn't tried to do yet. So I think that combination is very, very powerful so that the work products that come out of the, the communities of interest and the working groups and act as a whole are really balanced and, and, and ready for a government leader to take a look at and learn from before they start to tackle something for themselves. That's a really interesting perspective that it really does kind of bring everybody together to provide that roadmap for the government to say, this is the, this is the way forward in a, in a, in a meaningful and impactful way. Jeremiah, why don't you to walk us through going back and reflecting on the past year? What have you learned out of this experience? What would you, if you're talking to an industry colleague, or if you're talking with a government colleague in the space, what are you going to tell them about your experience this year? And what are you going to advise them to do? Sure. Yeah, this is actually uh, probably my favorite part. You know, we participated in some great events that were, uh, you know, organized by Chelsea and, and Leslie and Jeremy and Suda, our chairs. Everything from you know improv to better understand how we communicate to that public speaking uh, that Casey talked about. That was one of my favorite classes. But one that I really enjoyed was the leadership day that we had at Manassas Battlefield. I've always been a student of history. So to go there and to walk that field of such importance and just to gain an understanding of what those leaders faced at that time, it was really something that really changed the way that I, I looked at leadership. But, you know, it's interesting. I read something uh, about how every decision that business makes leads to the crossroads between industry and government. And so when you were saying, you know, as Jeremy mentioned, that that stodginess the government can't have balanced with the push that industry can bring, you have that balance come together to create some amazing things. And I, I think having those conversations, just being able to interact with one another across those two uh, spaces really is helpful. And I, I think it's something that from all the things that I've seen ACT I Act offer over the past year, whether it's conversations about cybersecurity uh, risk, you know, having those conversations open to everyone, I think that that's extremely worthwhile. And I'm always kind of telling people, hey, you need to check this out. This is something that they're having a panel on or a discussion and it's available, it's, it's free, you know, whatever it may be. But just having that breadth of knowledge available, having that expansion of network, it's an amazing part. And I hope everybody can get to enjoy that and, and take part in it. Great. Thanks, Jeremiah. Casey, what about you? What did you come away from the program learning? What changed for you, right? What things did you walk away from thinking, wow, this has really opened how I see you know, this interaction and, and how I think about it? Yeah, um, there's two different things that I think I learned a lot. First, just personally, I think I grew. You know, I, I mentioned I'm, I'm pretty young, I'm pretty new, and not even having anything to do with industry or government, just being around people who were good at their job and who wanted to teach me personal skills, that was amazing. 
but more relevant to, you know, the industry and the government. The biggest thing that I learned, it seems so simple and so obvious, but is that we're, we're all people and we're all working towards a mission. We're on the same side. It's really easy to kind of blame your government client for dragging their feet on this or get annoyed because something's not happening. And then you, you meet them and you realize that they're people too, and they're bound by their own rules. And we really are working towards one goal together. And once you kind of can get in that mindset, it becomes a lot easier to work with people because it's not about us. It's not about our client. It's really about the people that we're trying to serve. And so I think that was kind of something that I never thought about because I haven't been around this industry very long and it was really eye-opening. That is a powerful message. Casey, I'm glad you had the experience so early in your career. I think a lot of folks tend to come to that realization much later as they've been working for sometimes for a long time before they have that opportunity to really understand we are all on the same team and we have unfortunately different rules. You know, Jeremy, you mentioned kind of once a procurement's on the street, we do have a lot of different rules regarding how we can engage and talk about it and have those interactions. But before that happens, we can have a lot of different interactions I was wondering, given Casey's perspective on this, what do you want to add to that conversation? How do you think that these programs, especially, you know, I think one of the things I keep coming back to is, and you keep hearing in this conversation, is the importance and connectivity of having these personal relationships, being able to talk with people and understand them from a very personal perspective what's going on? What are their challenges? How do we help each other in order to advance the mission of government? And so I'm wondering if you want to add to that in any way. How did you see this group come through the classes as the chair of the program this year? What did you think they learned? And where do you want to see the program go next? That's a really good question, John. So I would say, I mean, that is the power of the program when you have government and industry interact. And one of the things we emphasize in the program is the non-attribution conversations, right? That ability to have an honest, straightforward, here's what's really going on conversation at a personal level with people you're connected with around, you know, in, in the case of the programs, we're driving it around topics, right? Each month it's got a different topic or the team is working on their project, but that same thing plays in with everything that ACT-IAC does. And so, you know, we have to have these honest conversations or you can't come to honest results. Like when I did my partners program, one of the things that's been the most resonating with me from 2018 is that I have a list of people that I'm able to reach out to from industry and government who I can say, hey, I'm having this thing going on and I don't really know how to solve it. I know I, I need to do maybe a procurement or I need to stand up a new program. What are, what's your advice? And they know, uh, having participated in the program, that this is a non-attribution, this is a conversation, friend conversation at that point, right? Where we're asking each other, honestly, what do you think? And I think the power behind that to help solve problems is huge, right? We have this nervousness when government and industry collide where we're like, almost trying to say we're on different sides, right? Industry's there to make money and government's there to serve the public. And it, it's not that way, right? It's a lot of coming together to try to you know solve problems together. It's a partnership. If you do your acquisitions and you set up your relationship correctly, it's a true partnership. But in that partnership, there's contract boundaries. So for me, I find those conversations with 
people I know in industry or even government who've had, you know, conversations with people in industry prior to solidifying something in a contract are so very valuable because at that point, that's when you're defining your requirement and building your contract. And that's when you're going to need to better understand how to articulate it so that you get proposals and you get solutions that are really going to meet the requirement and, and solve the problem, right? There's nothing worse than putting a contract out there, getting a vendor to come on board, and then you find out that you didn't structure it right. You can't actually solve the problem. And that, that's, that's a nightmare. Absolutely. So you've had everybody come through a program. Are you going to chair another program? What What do you think is going to happen to the program? Is it pretty much a steady state thing? Do you all do retrospectives and, and continuously try and improve the leadership programs? How do you see the evolution of those leadership programs going forward? Yeah, it's really interesting. So this last year was my second year volunteering. And it's volunteer. I think that's important to point out that for the associates program and for the Voyagers and partners, the leadership is volunteer. I think actually for for Voyagers and partners, the leadership even has their organization pay for them to participate as leaders and have that impact. And so I'm always up. I've let ACT know I'm, I'm in if they want to have me again for another year. I think I love the associates program. I love the early career development and the mentoring that we can do in trying to kind of set what you're talking about here, right? Set this kind of expectation that we should, at the very beginnings of our career, know that we can have this collaboration and that it's not off limits and know some of the areas we should tackle as we try to grow our personal career and grow, you know, and decide where we're headed. So I would say we do retrospect. We do have conversations for the scope of the program. All the leadership meets weekly. We talk about the pros, the cons. Much of the program, the monthly programs are set in stone. It's a kind of the same for everybody who experiences the program. But then there's, I think, two or three sessions that the leadership of that particular year get to really have an impact on saying, here's some things we think we want to bring in or some speakers we want to bring in around a topic that's you know resonating today. And so there's a lot of flexibility there for the for the leadership. But as you said, you know, we do have that conversation afterwards to say, hey, okay, what worked, what didn't work? You know, the the participants, their companies are paying for them to come to that program. And so at the end of the day, ACT IAC and the volunteers who in leadership, their goal is for it to be a meaningful experience that further drives, you know, participation in ACT IAC and further drives consideration that it's not just government, it's not just industry, but it's a partnership. I really like the way you phrased it in the discussion and talking about how you have that continuous evolution of you know, not only consistency. So really what I liked about it was the fact that you, and it kind of goes back to some of the things you said earlier, and that a lot of what ACT IACT does in bringing government and private sector together and industry together is better understand what is threading the needle look like? How do we get that collective opinion together in order to get government services advanced to where they need to be? And that's not oftentimes disruptive. It is evolutionary. It is taking good things that are happening in industry and bringing them into government. A lot of cases, sometimes it's taking great things that are happening in government and making them more widely known in government. And so I think what's really interesting as you were describing that program is that even in the programs, you still have that model of let's take the consistency of government and the innovation of industry and bring it together in a meaningful way. So I I just want to say thank you for sharing that. I think it's so important that folks hear that and understand it because it's the only way we actually consistently make services and outcomes better for everybody. So I have one other question we're going to run through everybody on with this one. And we'll start with you, Jeremy. 
who needs to hear this message? Who should listen to this podcast today? Well, as somebody who's in government, I'm going to focus on my fellow government people. You know, Act Act is free. There's no reason for us not to participate. And conversations with industry are free, right? Build a network of people you know. And so I think this podcast is very much um, needed for people in government, and you know, especially in their early career, to understand that there's a lot of value to be gained if you build it into the way you do your interactions throughout your career as you have built those connections over time, the further you are in your career and the higher up you are in leadership, you'll have this vast network to draw on and experience you've gained from interaction at network that will better inform your decisions in government. Absolutely. Jeremiah, who, who do you think needs to listen to this message? Sure, John. So coming from the perspective of uh, a graduate of the associate program, I think anyone early in their career needs to, to understand that building that network having people that you can reach out to, you know, that you can bounce ideas off, ask about solutions, just a, a safe space to uh, interact. Those are the individuals who need to hear this. You know, as Casey mentioned earlier, just the expansion of our network, and, and Jeremy touched on this as well, having that expansion of our network is just invaluable. You know, I have people that I can reach out to and say, hey, you know, what do you think about this? And that is something that, you know, will follow me through the rest of my career. And I really just appreciate having that capability. And I think that anybody um, who isn't familiar with act you know, there are a lot of resources that are available to use from the organization, whether, you know, as part of these programs or just within the organization itself. Thanks, Jeremiah. Casey, what about you? Who needs to hear this? I would kind of echo what Jeremiah is saying. I mean, I do think that everybody can hear this, but coming from what I know, young people or people early in their career need to hear that, you know, you don't just have to sit down and do grunt work and then build your network later. You can make an impact right away. I run an internship program. I help with college recruiting and I see people come in right out of college and they're not looking at the latest legislation. They're not looking at ways to interact with the client. They're just here to kind of get their work done, which is good. You need people to get their work done, but you don't have to wait until you have a bigger job title to start really interacting with people and building this network and making your own difference. So I think it's good for anybody early in their career to really know that, you know, you can start day one and there's a lot that you can do. Thanks for sharing that, Casey. You know, at Dev Technology, we have a leadership at all levels award, right? And so we really do. I think, Casey, what you're saying, at least what I'm hearing out of that conversation is that don't wait to be a GS13 program manager to lead lead today in whatever role you're in, wherever you're at, in whatever part of the organization you're at, whether you're government, whether you're industry, and you can have those small opportunities to lead and interact. Jeremy, going back to your conversation around, okay, I'm a government employee, I'm a private sector individual, and I'm charged up by this conversation. I'm like, this is amazing. How do I join? Where do they need to go? What's the website? What's the next step for them? Yeah, for government, it's easy. It's actiac.org. And there's a spot there to click on for becoming a member. And like I said, government, it's free, easy, and the sign up is quick. For companies, those in industry, the ActIAC website does have a list of the companies that are members. And you may be surprised sometimes to find out your company is a member, right? You, you may not be in an area that's already engaged in ActIAC, but somebody in your company might be. And so that membership applies to the entire company. There's It's not per person at the company. Once a company is a member in ActIAC, Anybody at the company can take advantage of participating in the programs. Now, to be honest, you know, some of the programs will have a fee, like even for government, right? We'll go do the forums or whatnot, but the working groups, the communities of interest are always free. That's work 
And that collaboration and that networking is critical. And so actiac.org is a place to start. Thanks, Jeremy. That's A-C-T-I-A-C.org, right? That's correct. Fantastic. Friends, I want to thank you so much for coming and sharing your experiences and talking a little bit about the importance of collaboration with industry and government and how it makes such a huge difference in everything we do and the role that ACT-IACT has played in this, not only from the disciplinary you know, focus groups discussions, but also from the people development and the leadership and the interactions and the friendships that have been created in these processes. It's been a real pleasure having you all today. And thanks for joining us in the audience. This has been our DevCast program for today and look forward to talking with everybody again soon. Have a great day and see you next time. Yeah.